Hello, welcome to Ledgercast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard here with Josh Olswitch. Hey, Josh, how you doing? Brian, good to be with you on this hot Friday. It's good to be with you as well. We are here. We are taking a victory lap, or you are going to take a victory lap. Uh, the market's up a little bit since last week. Um, yeah, well done. Well done. I, f- I feel like... Our show titles, if you just did nothing but look at our show titles, it would be a pretty good guidance. Not that it's financial advice. (laughs) 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 But our show titles have done a pretty good job over the past couple of years in terms of the big themes. The question is the execution at the lower levels. Um, But nevertheless, market's up. The lower bottoms, equal highs played out, and we had a push from, you're on ETH, um, if you bought 1250, went all the way to 1650 or so, um, hadn't quite reached that prior breakdown level, but been a pretty strong move so far. Um, so let's this get win. This is a win for the TA people such as us. Yeah. Uh, this is a win for the trade setup that beautifully broke out like the day after we talked about it. Um, now to be fair, I had been talking about this since like the Adam and Eve, Really, though, I've been talking about it since like the inverted head and shoulders. The whole time the trade was still valid, but it just morphed into different, you know, different rationale slightly. But as long as you have that horizontal, that's what it's really all about. It could be anything else underneath that or above it, but really what you're paying attention to as a chart pattern person is what is the bias based on this chart pattern, you know? Yep. But anyway, yeah. It, out. I didn't think it's a it, super convincing chart pattern, but when it's on the low side of the range, because it wasn't, it's not, clean, it's not super clean at the, when at those lows. There's one of those examples of where you don't have to buy the pico bottom to have the most convincing setup, um, because once it cleared that equal high, that was when I was like, all right, well, risk is on for at least a hot minute, you know. Yeah, sorry, and the. Uh the good thing about this setup too is it had evidence from Matic, which broke out like days before. Oh yeah, that's right? always nice when something goes first. Yeah, so as good as this looked, like really since maybe mid July, um, it was backed up. At least the trade setup was backed up by other stuff breaking out, and so then I've even rolled it down the hill and said, okay, ETH still looks okay and or is just stalled it hasn't retraced so that gives everything else time to potentially catch up right as well matic by the way still yeah show us you're just sitting here i don't i don't understand it necessarily i'll trade what's a good chart for matic even uh binance i guess um yeah i've been talking about I've been talking about Matic in a similar way, right? It had didn't have a perfect like horizontal, which whatever, but uh, the idea is exactly the same for those of you listening and not watching. But uh, just have a setup and a level, and you watch it. And if it breaks up, you buy, right? Like th- that's just it. It's not like it's rocket science. There's a reason this stuff tends to work more often than not. One and uh, Matic, yeah. One other element of that that I've been liking is that it's not everything going exactly the same pattern, exactly the same way together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a bit of rotation from one asset to the other. 
seen a good bit of it be news-based. So like, um, I guess the Matic thing was kind of news-based. Uh, SNX had some news. Sushi had some news. And like that was impacting price, you know, like individually. It wasn't just, oh, Bitcoin is up, so all assets are floating up together. Bitcoin was not, I mean, Bitcoin really didn't move that much. It didn't, it had a steady small uptrend, but it it wasn't severe. It wasn't like, oh, but just because Bitcoin and Ether are moving uh, a bunch that alts move differently. Like things were kind of moving on their own radar. The ETH BTC trade was doing well with some merge narrative. These are the types of things that I like to see. Um, I don't like it when it's just everything goes up for no reason. Yeah, Bitcoin still really hasn't hit its levels. I feel like people are still selling it. We have people like selling it who were underwater, and then we have people selling it for ETH because of the narrative. That's that's where my head's at on, on why BTC is like lagging so much. ETH was also sold off way more than BTC was, right? Maybe not way more, but... Yeah, well, it was it, significantly more. It got pummeled relative to BTC, and you can see that on ETH BTC chart that obviously just like V bottomed, you know, over the past week or two. Right. Yeah. And now, I mean, whether you can trade it or not, don't know, but, um, ETH BTC is literally right back in the same range that it broke down from. <laughs> um, so if you were trying to say that was some kind of ascending triangle or something with a failed breakup and a failed breakdown and then a sideways and then a full breakdown and now back into the range, like this chart is now, you always talked about it being useless, but now I find it very useless. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, I've talked about it before, and that was my thought as well. It's so hard to trade that chart. Um, so yeah. hard to trade because it's just all over the place. Yeah, I think you could at this point say that the last year is basically a random walk. Um, like there's, There's been small daily trends, several of them, but on the whole... ETH BTC, if you just bought it every day, uh, it, you would have gotten the same price it is today for almost a year, over a year. Hadn't, hadn't had a strong trend upwards since May 2021. Um, yeah, it's just... It was an ascending triangle. It was an inevitable top. It was, it was so many things. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like that chart. To trade because it's just so hard. I'd rather trade the USD pairs than trade that chart directly. Yeah. All right. So you're looking at the market today. What's our what's our thought? I mean, there's still plenty of upward mean reversion potential on Bitcoin, in my opinion. If you're just you know, well, not in my opinion. According to the chart, 200 day moving average is at 35k. The uh, 200 week we're right at. So honestly, if I have to have a top watch, that's it for me. Um, does Bitcoin get a thrust if it can reclaim that 200 week? Um, my gut would be that yes, it could, and it could also very easily just retest it a week, three weeks, five weeks from now. Um, the scenario where you end up with you know that kind of move and then determine what's next, very, very likely, um, which gives upside. I think upside's as high as 30K. We've talked about that before. Uh, but that would be 
a breach of that and uh, then what is is my lean um we'll see on sunday my guess is it'll close almost right where we are right now <laughs> just because that's basically the, the 200 week um expecting a fight around it expecting some volatility around it if it breaks up i think we'll retest it if it breaks down it could be quite bad um and so i'd like to see it i'd like to see it hold it on the weekly and then see what happens on the lower time frames relative to that level but what other long or high time frame levels are you peeping at? Well, I guess like if we're trying to determine if this is a bottom, like in retrospect in six months from now, we could say, okay, yeah, that was the price low, but I still think it's too early to call like forever low this being the bottom. Yeah. Safely, you know, yes, we're not making lows. Yes. We had a reversal pattern that worked out, right? We're checking the right boxes. We're on our way to making that decision more definitive, but I think it's still super early to say like, yeah, we're safe, you know, for uh, for some sort of reversal. I don't think we're going to see all-time highs this year, in my opinion, but I do like 30K by end of year. I think that's a safe, safe quote-unquote call. Um, but like high time frame cloud-wise, this is something that I'm getting excited for on... Uh, I don't know why TradingView did this. <laughs> on uh, BTC and ETH, is this edge-to-edge -edge move to BTC? It would be 33, but um, this is a once-a-quarter trade. I talk about these when they happen, but we've had a couple instant instances of them, and we're setting up for that same thing. So, you know, I'm going to not look past anything but this trade setup until it happens and as it happens and not, I'm not going to think about like macro being a disaster and recession probably coming. If the trade setup is there, I'm going to have stops. I'm going to take it and it's that, that that's that like, I'm not going to prevent, I'm not going to let the stuff that's going on around me prevent me from taking that trade. You know, man, when we get the recession probably coming thing, I always just think like, how deep are we into the recession already then? <laughs> I just don't, I don't buy that narrative that the the recession is near, therefore I will do something now to prepare. I feel like you've probably already missed a significant amount of the move um, in that scenario. That's fair, um, but do we expect to be bullish in a recession? No, I'm not. But but that's not to say like the the thrust of the move probably happened. Um, not necessarily the bottom, but. I think just assuming I'm going to sell now and I'm not going to sweat that I sold the bottom is unlikely. Yeah, I mean, there's, I, there's shorting, there's cash, and there's long, right? Yeah. Like, and I, I think, don't think a short is appropriate here. Right. And I think that's probably cash. where we are now, right? Like, people got so down in the dumps about how everything was miserable and terrible and going to go down forever that they could have sold the bottom and now they're sweating it because a, a pump, even in the midst of a downturn or a bear market or a recession, whatever you want to call it, is still very possible and happens frequently. And now it's a matter, matter of like how far can, how far can that go uh, to make those folks sweat? Yeah. Setting yeah, expectations that's wise, that's, <laughs> it's not exactly like asking for the moon, you know, it's like, can we go from 17.5 to 29? Um, let's say 
60% up move, which is very possible even in a bear market when your total upside, total downside are, you know, five to 10 X and minus 85%. Some mean reversion, 50% retracement of that totally, totally reasonable. And still the dynamics of the primary market not change. Right. It would not be a trend trade. It would be a very specific entry exit. And then that's it. Like if it keeps going great, but uh, <laughs> not, you have to listen to macro to some extent to give you that, that uh, heads up on directionality a little bit. Uh, somebody in the chat asked me to explain this cloud setup a little bit. So I'm going to rewind to 2018, 2019. These are called edge to edge trades. If you zoom away out on the cloud, this is the daily, but if you look on the weekly, look on any time frame you want, it doesn't really matter. Um, these trades happen virtually never. They happen kind of once a quarter. The most famous edge to edge trade in my mind is this uh, 2015 to 2016 trade, which uh, I had the uh, luck of understanding the cloud enough to like talk about this at that time. And can I just tell you the the amount of people who thought I was insane when we were at like sub 300 and I'm like, yeah, this thing's going to seven. Like that's what the cloud's saying. Um, so the idea is if this starts to close within the cloud, it will reach for the opposite end of the cloud. And another way to think about that is it's just really a 50% mean reversion. It's not like anything super special, but yeah. it gives you it gives you a sense of when to expect that move to happen. Um, it tells you, okay, if this is the top and if this is the bottom, this is where we think this is going to go. So these happen on the daily time frame, maybe once a quarter. They typically work out for BTC. They're not always perfect. Here's just another example of one. Um, July 2018. But w- what you want to see is a bullish, sorry, you want to see a bullish uh, TK cross. I lost my spot. Bullish TK cross, price in the cloud, and then the trade is on, right? It, it may take it may take weeks, it may take a day, but the trade is on, and what you don't want to see is a break below this red line, the key June throughout the entirety of that trade setup. So just to, t- to talk about this example again in 2019, um, you get this like this fake move mm-hmm. and then it retraces back to the key June and it just, it just held there for like a month. Right. But that entire time, the target was always, and people thought we were crazy. I remember this very well calling like the other end of the cloud. Right. Oh yeah. The tar- the target was always 4800 as soon as that level showed up. That is the target. Um so talking about uh something I want to do. Talking about the setup now. It's the same exact thing. It really is. 33 is the level. We don't have a chart pattern on our side just yet. The difference between then and now is we had that uh our pattern developing the whole time. But that's the level. So if this thing closes in the cloud with a bullish DK cross, that's the trade. Stop losses, key June, and just let it do its thing. 
Now we had another example of that um, in April. Didn't quite get to that level. Yeah, those are the worst. <laughs> you have your. But the difference here is ETH did ETH did get to that to that level. Ah. So you do have to be careful on on what you're trading, what you're looking for, whether or not you're using like a trailing stop loss. So that's why when I look at ETH, I'm like, okay, well, I know the level. It's two, 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 two is the Let's level. Let's go. <laughs> um, Send it. The, the issue is you want to wait for this, this MA cross effectively. Um, so the easiest trade would be this thing cools off, waits till later in August maybe, drifts into the cloud, and then it sends it to 2222. That's the best case. And, and again, you can see this on almost every one of these successful setups. You see a bullish cross first before it actually does uh, yeah. does reverse like that. So we got a question. If we go up slowly, are you both planning to keep holding and sell if we spike up fast? I think that's actually a reasonable way to put it, that if, if a move happens really fast, the likelihood is people are going to be desired to take profit. Um, but yeah, you look for a steady uptrend, and then if you're doing trend following, you would just kind of obey the, the trend indicator itself, right? So if you're following along as the, the Tinkin moves up, or if you're a 20-day moving average, a fast-moving average like that. Um, and then if you're a risk off and looking to buy dips but maintain the primary trend, you might buy the slower moving average, like the Keishan in this example, assuming price gets above it. Um, yeah. Another another thing you could look at is like the twelve hour version of this is um, instead of an edge to edge, you're just looking for vanilla cloud stuff. So you're looking for a price of the cloud, bullish Kumo twist, uh, bullish TK cross. For some people, this is easier to like think about, um, but it's really the same setup as the daily. It's just the daily gives you the level. So if anything, you could use the daily to get the level. Go to the twelve hour for like the exact uh, checklist. What you're looking for here. And uh, that's it, right? Like, ideally, this goes back to 1350, gives you a way better entry, and Bob's your uncle, boom, you're off to the races, right? Because, like, if you long this here, the stop loss is all the way down here at 13, whatever the key June is, right? That's just a, it's a messier, it's a worse version of the same trade, right? Ideally, you want to, you want to take like a stop loss, maybe below twelve fifty with an entry around thirteen fifty. I don't know, just like spitballing the setup, but um, that's what you're looking for. So I think we will see that hopefully after FOMC next week because I'm thinking like FOMC, everybody gets bearish, sells off, up. right? Even though they know exactly what's coming, like every time, you know. What is the consensus? Seventy five. Basis point hike. I think it is. I don't think yeah, there. I think so. There was at one point there was some pretty high chance of a uh, hundred, but I don't think we're there. I think the market priced that out a bit. So all right, we're off the lows. Not exactly in a positive trend. Kind of in no man's land at this point. So. I guess if you were trying to enter, you'd be looking for a dip to be able to do so. To me, this feels like no man's land because 
my target on the previous trade was hit. I'm not positioned for higher. You know, I, yeah. if it goes higher, I'm I'm not going to chase it. Like that's that's where my head's at. Yeah. Makes sense. And there's a place where you can re-enter the trade with more confidence, um, depending on your system and levels and all that. Blah blah blah. Um, I'm still holding spot of several things, um, but I'm not any longer in a margin position. I was temporarily. Finally had a winning trade. <laughs> um, all right. Well, what else is on your mind, Josh? I don't even know what to talk about today. Um, well, I don't know if we want to talk about Elon in detail, but oh um, yeah, Tesla sold seventy five percent of their Bitcoin position. Yeah, so they sold a bunch of BTC. Keyword being sold. Yeah, they sold it out. at like twenty nine <laughs> or thirty k. They were the breakdown from thirty k that then caused uh, three arrows to get liquidated and then moved it to twenty. So you can blame uh, Elon Musk for Bitcoin going below twenty k. That's how I'm going to phrase it. Um, and what was interesting is temporarily people sold because they were like, ooh, Tesla sold, I guess. Just news flow. But it made no sense because they were already done selling. Now, I could understand the price going down if Tesla was like, hey, we're going to sell our Bitcoin. We haven't yet, but we're definitely going to. Then obviously it would go down. But, but the fact that the market had absorbed 75% of their position uh, weeks prior was silly. Then the market retraced because they said they weren't opposed to owning more Bitcoin in the future. There was a lot of chatter uh, on the internet about the Bitcoin sale basically shoring up their balance sheet and making them look cash positive on the quarter when they weren't. <laughs> like it's the thing, the 900 million made up for like an $850 million cash shortfall or something like that. So there was a lot of, uh, a lot of questions about that. I don't really know, don't really care. Just know that it caused volatility, but it quickly retraced. Um, then the other news, as Rod says in the chat, this Coinbase securities drama thing, that's worth covering. Um, the former Coinbase employee, former because he got fired, um, was charged with insider trading. Um, this was something that we all saw many times where people were buying tokens that then got listed on Coinbase. Um, but it was a Coinbase employee that was simultaneously like one of the people writing blog posts about their asset listing framework. And then on the back end, the one that got um, charged with this insider trading thing. There's potentially a backdoor by the SEC trying to declare those assets as securities um, not sure what the result of that's going to be, but that's something to watch for sure. And a lot of lawyery people, Jake Shravinsky and others, were criticizing the SEC for the way they approached that because um, it looks like they're trying to backdoor it. They didn't prosecute the assets. They just prosecuted this individual, but then called the assets securities. <laughs> so it's like they didn't go after the assets, the projects. They didn't go after Coinbase. They just went after this person and said, oh, by the way, you were trading securities, but they've not informed anyone else of that. Um, so very strange behavior by the SEC. Not really sure what to make of that. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, it seems a bit loose from them. Yeah. Just like, just, uh, can I say this? Shit or get off the pot? Like, yeah. figure out what's a security, make up your mind. That's fine. Make it as strict and stringent as you think it should be. 
and everybody's clear, right? Like, I think most of us have a pretty good idea uh, in our head, even though we're not lawyers, what a security is and is not. I think many of us can agree much of that stuff that's listed on Coinbase is problematic, as is on Polo and Binance and any other exchange, right? Uh, yeah, but like just going after stuff like one at a time just seems very silly to me. Very silly. Yeah. I don't want to pretend that I have any capacity to get inside their head and figure out like how they're approaching this and you know what they're hoping to achieve. But I can see them going after like VC people who are getting these unlocked token sales in the pre-sale and then dumping it on retail. Like that's got to end sometime. You know, if it's SEC or the CFTC, I don't know who has to step in and figure that out. But I think they want to go after the cases they think they can win. Like they're already they're running into that with the XRP case. Like there keeps being this news of the SEC essentially getting in trouble by the judge. And I'm not digging in enough to know what's what, but. Um, seems like they're not having the easy time with the XRP case that they thought that they would. Um, they wouldn't have brought that case unless they thought they could win. But if they lose that, it's going to look really terrible for them and probably give a leg up in terms of case law for all these other projects that they may try to sue in the future. So, um, yeah, I think they're just kind of trying to go after the easiest stuff to prevent behavior that they seem to believe is bad behavior. In terms of how all that shakes out. And there's just so much. There's just so much that could potentially fit in that framework. Yeah. Um, Virtually, you know, and Gary goes on wherever and says, uh, Gensler, and says he thinks all these are securities. It's like, okay, well, let's see the rules, right? Like, you know. Show show me. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, most of us are fine with that. Exchanges wouldn't be fine with that, obviously. But, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just... (laughs) My frustration is when there's so many pieces of low-hanging fruit that they can go after that they throw this like broad but vague, vague blanket on the entire industry. That's, I find that quite frustrating. Um, but there's plenty of scammers that they can go after. Honestly, I don't even mind them going after this Coinbase employee. I don't think they did very good at all. Um, simultaneously, I don't know that Coinbase did a very good job in the whole thing. Um, well, it's just so egregious and obvious for years and years and years. Yeah. See these they, and then Coinbase on. was like, oh, we were so surprised. It's like, did you look at the charts of anything that you <laughs> listed? Like, they were all moving ahead of time. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just over it. You know, I'm over seeing going on these exchanges and seeing all this junk that is just clearly never going to amount to anything. It's just there to get fees for them. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm just over it. Kendall in the chat said that XRP attorneys are Chad. Uh, I not only that, but I think they also have all these people that are either advisors or board members or whatever that are ex-regulators. <laughs> so like, people inside XRP know how to fight within the system. Um, I mean, it's a it's a daunting fight, I think, for the SEC when they're going up against former colleagues that know the ins and outs and know what they'll care about. I think that's it's very interesting because I don't like XRP, but they are kind of like the standard bearer for crypto assets fighting regulatory agencies. So what are you supposed to do? Um, you're supposed to root yeah, for I mean, them. We <laughs> kind of want them to win, yeah. but they're XRP. So I don't want them to win. Yeah. I don't <laughs> really, I want them to win because I would rather the sec approach things differently. And then if they lose the case, then perhaps they can like provide better guidance. What I really want is for 
a company to be able to be from the U.S. and feel like they can do things within the crypto ecosystem without like walking on eggshells. What I don't like is that you just don't know what you can and can't do, don't know what's right or not right, because they offer no good framework. And there's evidence of other countries that are really starting to offer more thorough and powerful frameworks for crypto to work within. And the U.S. is just sacrificing the evolution of um, technology and and, uh, and and an asset class that essentially is running from America because like it's too scary to do business here. That's what I don't like. I think it's crappy for the U.S. itself. But. Yeah, that's that's fair. But at the same time, like, does everybody need a token for every single project that they release? Right? No, like, I'm not saying they do. I'm just there. You can also look at it and and say like, all right, well, something is different about this space. You know, like it's not the same. Like this protocol level revenue is different than shareholder revenue. You know, it's different. It's because individuals can participate that don't own an equity share in a company, um, and they have rights to certain revenue if the SEC creates a framework for that to occur. So earning rewards for participating in the ecosystem doesn't require you necessarily to be a shareholder. So it's this kind of democracy around the revenue distribution without being a shareholder and that's the novel component to me that the SEC is not helping protocols figure out. And so what the SEC is saying, well, screw them. Don't give them any benefits for participating in a protocol. Don't give them any opportunity to do anything novel or interesting for regular users. Um, because look at our 40-year-old rules that like the internet didn't even exist when this occurred. You know? And I just feel like we could approach it a little smarter. Yeah, I mean, I like that with ICOs, a retail investor could get into projects. Amazing, because previously, that type of investing is locked behind um, institutional investment or accredited investment, right? I think we need to lower the accreditation criteria slightly from what it is now and go from there and adjust, uh, as well as clamping down on some of this nonsense where you're raising this project on a dream and a white paper in a website without like having anything behind it and then calling it a utility token. Like that's, that's just not going to fly. Yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. Right now we're not getting anything. We're just, we're getting vague statements from Gary Gensler saying your whole industry is a security. Well, yeah, but at the same time, like people know better. People know that like this thing is probably a security, you know, People know better. I think there's a lot more gray area than that. Like, uh, there's gray area, but at the same time, it's most of this stuff. It's pretty clear, um, and I think the gray area is how far back they can retroactively charge, like Ripple or Ethereum or any of these other projects that did ICO type behavior that still exist and aren't still like selling tokens um, continuously. Yeah, yeah. I think if it's just outright, all you're doing is distributing and selling a token. It's different, but there's there's protocols that you interface with and interact with, and you put money on the line with uh, for providing liquidity or something, and the ability for the protocol to offer you rewards for doing so, like there should be more openness around that. We should just have more more discussion around 
what's reasonable, what's possible, what requires regulation and what doesn't. And a lot of what they're putting out there is silly. Like there's, you know, a lot of these rules floating around about, well, you need to know the social security number of every crypto wallet that you interact with so that you can report them like your, your counterparty. And that's insane. Yeah, they don't, they don't want digital cash, you know. They don't want uh, a digital environment where cash behaves anonymously, basically, right? Not every dollar bill is KYC'd. Not every change transaction you're making is KYC'd. <laughs> yeah. It's just silly. <laughs> uh, Blovium in the chat said, are board apes a security? And Forza responded, no, it's a JPEG. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> I like that. Can't be a security because it's JPEG, clearly. Wasn't there, um, I saw something about the fractional <laughs> fractional NFTs like dying off. Yeah, I think those are risky at being, um, those are more at risk of being securities in my mind. But again, I don't know, like we need better yeah, rules. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, right? I just know what I see from other people talking, okay? Yeah. So yeah, fractionalization seems like it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, minting and burning something seems like it's a problem uh, if, if it's a centralized actor doing it. Um, yeah. So yeah, we we sort of know some things. But I agree, there's a gray area. There's a lot more that we can. Clear. They could help. They could be collaborative and not just like crapping on everything, but very vaguely. Like that's not helpful. Yeah. There are things that I would like to do within my business and my company that have nothing to do with token. It's more like how do we enable the user to interface with assets that people could buy or sell or whatever on our platform. You know what I mean? Like they could help us. Um, and that has nothing to do with a token or not. But nevertheless, sure. just allow that to be my dissatisfaction with US regulators. Speaking of Ripple though, Jed McCaleb, previous Ripple, uh, I don't know, creator, CEO, co-founder. I don't even know what to call him anymore. <laughs> Rotator. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> mini project. Fully out, fully out of all of his Ripple that he got from a previous uh, legal case against uh, Ripple, the company, not Ripple, and, the token. I mean, right? he was selling Where it. We say that he was selling it more than Bezos was selling Amazon. You know, it's just every week selling tokens, selling tokens, selling tokens. Um, that guy. I mean, he had XRP, Stellar, and other other projects. Steam. Is he? St I don't even know if he's still attached to Stellar. He might be. I haven't followed that in a while. But, Probably not. Um, Start for those who don't get know your token well. allocation. Leave for those who don't know. Uh, also behind Mount Cox, golly, yeah. the creator, creator, co-founder. Not in a bad way. It's just like this guy's been like attached behind to so much stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just kind of interesting. Uh, can we? Talk about the dollar and then call it a day. Yeah, sure. Um, I got it on the daily chart at least. The uh, the dollar parabola. You could say it's broken. I don't know. Definitely um, the most at risk that I've seen it. This looks like an asset that just wants to chill for a while to me. It went way up. All the way to 10960. It's off to 10647 today. First down week in quite a while. 
higher high with lower momentum. I realize there's tons of fundamentals that play into this, but when I look at a chart, and a chart is a chart is a chart, this looks like something that's not ready to go up super fast, which should give well, breathing room to all markets. Yay? Nay? I mean, sure. What I was going to say is if... Are the conditions that got us here any different than they were before they got us here, right? Like the the, the euro issues, has any of that changed? Uh, they finally started hiking in Europe. 0.5%. Right? Yep. E they're not on a relative basis. They're still going too slow, but it's better than easing. So I don't know all of the, the macro concerns and conditions that got us here, but... Uh, a lot of it is energy related too, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if any, if that's any better for them. Yeah, there's a lot there. talking about European air conditioning. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't mean to say it lightly. So it kind of depends on the euro, right? Because like, the euro is most of the Dixie, 62%. Yeah, and the euro is basically sitting at parity. Um, so if you want to go to Europe, you can go pretty, pretty affordably, 20% cheaper than it used to be. Yeah, I mean this chart. That's that's it, the, it looks that like looks capitulatory. Chart. Yeah, it looks like a crypto parabola. Is what it looks like. We're talking about like, Bitcoin being this. down. I keep hearing these podcasts where people are talking about the volatility of crypto. I'm like, one half the tech stocks in the world went down as much or more than Bitcoin. Two, currencies are moving twenty and thirty percent. <laughs> like, of course, of course, Bitcoin moved fifty or sixty. Like. Obviously, freaking some of these tech stocks you, went down 95%. I saw Ukraine uh, devalued their currency 25% this yeah, week. Not surprised. That's what wars will do. Always interesting to just think like, oh, we can do that as a currency, um, as an aside. But yeah, this is, in, this is crazy, right? Craziness. Yeah. So All I right. guess if you think the euro bottomed, if you think the euro bottomed, if you think Dixie's so. at least some kind of top, if you think stocks uh, don't have imminent downside, then maybe we have opportunity to move a little further in crypto. It's just bear market retrace so far on the S&P. Nothing to write home about. But I could imagine, I could imagine months of sideways from here. Does not have to be straight up, does not have to be straight down. Traders delight. Stock pickers have fun. You know? Ideally, we do have three months of nothing. Ideally. Then that, that's the easiest trade because then it's pretty clear what the setup are, is and where, where we're going from there. Um, that's what concerns me about this potential move on ETH and BTC, like higher. Just like positioning for that. It's going to be really awkward if it doesn't come back down. Yeah. I personally just don't think we're going to do anything very exciting on any asset. I think that's probably the most likely scenario. <laughs> just grind sideways, make people feel some pain. So this, yeah. The chop, the pain of chop. That'd be good. That'd be good for us. Let's leave it there. All right. Thanks again, everybody, for being here. Follow Josh at Carpe Noctum. Check out his uh, videos, whatever else he's got going on. I don't even know. Go to Flip. We're giving away two pudgy penguins right now on Flip. All you got to do is sign in and use Flip. There's a giveaway page inside your account. Super easy. Two pudgy penguins. And all you got to do is check it out. 
It's super cool. You'll love it. Thanks for being here. Flip.xyz. At Carpe Noctum. At Ledger Status. Whatever. Bye-bye. Monuments crumble In the blink of an eye The easy river Has just run dry In a house of cards I feel the breeze Wound so tight I can barely breathe Oh, the change